Welcome on back to the Catch My Drift podcast. This is your host, Matt Kelmis, and today with me, I got Andrew Auger. Andrew's an archery whitetail hunter and a bow shooting guru. Andrew, thanks for joining me on here today. Um, also joining us uh, is regular guest Nathan Chick. He is uh, standing in as a co-host today. All right. So uh, Andrew and uh, Nathan, they kind of go way back. Uh, so I figured good to have these both of these guys on. Um, this is my second time meeting Andrew. Um, met him once over at Nathan's. We were just kind of shooting the breeze, talking about bow shooting. I figured, well, that's when it. I was picking up his bow. That's yeah. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I figured, well, it'd be a he'd be a good guy to have on here especially you know it's kind of a timely episode um it's getting towards the latter half of august and uh bow season's right around the corner here not too much longer so anyway we got nathan chick and andrew auger um andrew lives down in houston minnesota um not too far if you guys ever had listened to uh last spring uh catch my drift did a did an episode with bob broyak uh which is he lives just what a block or half yeah. a block away. You can see from his me. house from my house. Yeah, so kind of crazy that two uh, two uh, white tail slaying fools like you live that close <laughs> to each other. I'm sure there's plenty more. Pretty in good this, neighborhood, right? Pretty more. Michael a lot C. More in this little town. Michael Steve too. He just lives outside town too. Yeah, yeah, just right down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he's been on the on the podcast mm-hmm. as well. So. Yep. Well, sweet. Um, you said uh, the what? Like I mentioned, the first time that I met you, you were uh, out picking up Nathan's bow. Mm-hmm. So what did you do that thing? Well, it started out with him asking me what arrows I was shooting. Yep. Okay. And then it progressed into bows and kept running into more options that he made yeah. available to me. Right. <laughs> right. So, well, do you want to try this? I'm like, yeah, you know. And then he comes to pick it up, and it ends up trying out stabilizers. And sure, sure. Yeah. So first, you had him. You had him make you some uh, some arrows. Yep. Where, what were you shooting before? Oh, I was shooting blood sports or something, 340s, um, 125 grain. But uh, these are micros, right? Yeah, 0.166. And, I mean, you look at them, and it just, I don't know, looks like it's half the size. Mm-hmm. When you go from shooting a carbon arrow, you think you're shooting this lightweight, super fast arrow, and then you see these things, and it just is like, what? Yeah, wow. right. It's like right. the size of a pencil, less I, than. Oh, yeah, it's... So three sixteenths or something like that, one sixty. Yeah, I forget what we had figured yeah. out there. So you also put some new strings on it. Yep. Okay. And now, do you, is that uh, there were a few what four different bows up there hanging up? I mean, are all those guys having you put strings on them too and yep. tweak them and tune them, or? Yep. What are you doing to all those guys' bows too? Um. Yeah, just restringing them, making sure everything's tuned, ready to go. I guess. Okay. Gotcha. Are they making new arrows for those guys too, or no? No. Just, just guys that have neglected their strings for sure. far too long. Twelve <laughs> years. Well, yeah, twelve years. Well, it's easy to do, you know, for a yeah. few years. But how often do you recommend people change their strings over? I'd say every three to four years. Okay. What happens to them? They just get stretched out, and yeah, heat's a killer to them. Okay. Like most guys say, well, I've been waxing it, you know. Yeah. And 
yeah, you're waxing a string, but it's it's the serving that takes a beating. Okay. You know, hmm. like one one guy's string last week, he had no idea that a serving was gone around the roller guard on his bowl <laughs> until I seen it and said something to him, and you know, he yeah, would have yeah. he would have probably never noticed it, and like he said, it would have blew up on him in November when right. he's trying to hunt Oof. when you want it. Yep. 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 So how did you get into all this stuff? How did you? I mean just buy your buy all that press up there and all the equipment or yeah slowly I, accumulated over time i'd imagine i got extreme ocd okay <laughs> so it's hard for me to like trust somebody to sure do that kind of work on my stuff and i just got tired of going driving back and forth to get stuff fixed and i'm like might as well just buy my own stuff and yep yep it's all self-taught nobody sure nobody coached me on anything it's just you learn something new every time so it's like you just you know once once you do like one full setup it's like you got pretty good basics on all of those right yeah i mean i suppose once you kind of get underneath the hood of one of them it's right. not it, you know it all kind of looks yeah the same i mean it's mm-hmm. the same same premise right yeah. it's a strings that pull back and you know everything has to be timed everything has to shoot straight right i mean at the end of it yep Yep. Not too far from a truck. No. <laughs> Sweet. Um, now, you uh, you don't only bow hunt. You also shoot shoot archery for, for yep. competition, too. I'm Talk- getting big into that now. Have you? Yeah. Do you do uh, all kinds, like Target, 3D, all that kind Mostly of stuff? Mostly 3D. Okay. I, don't, I don't get into the Target, Target side of it, like 20-yard okay. spot shooting. I don't get into that. Just I don't feel no. I don't feel like it's very fun. Yeah. Never, I've never actually shot a paper round. Okay. Just never done it. Sure. Not to say you won't, though. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Shooting 3D is more of a mental game. Okay. Like, you have to, you have to know the targets. Sure. Have to be able to pick something on that target. And ASA is really bad, because those are always dark targets. And you're trying to hit an inch and a half scoring scoring mm-hmm. ring. So do you do most of those competitions around here then, or do you go like out west, like to the Total Archery Challenge no, or any of those? I haven't gotten that involved in it yeah. yet. But I, a lot of the a lot of the winter shoots, I mean, there's a lot of local local within two hours, I guess, from here. Okay. That we go to quite a bit of those indoor 3D shoots. Mm-hmm. And then this past summer, I really picked up the Iowa ASA game. Okay. They've got, I think, eight or nine qualifiers and then a state shoot. Gotcha. So you, so now you have a target bow for yep. target specific. How does that differ than, like, a hunting bow? Um, longer axle to axle. Okay. More forgiving. Um, the biggest thing is, is the... The cams, the cams are a big difference. Like a hunt bow is hunt bow. You draw back. You got this big nasty wall and mm-hmm. big valley you drop into. The target cams, you know, there's different let off mods, and then I can manipulate however much holding weight I want, however long draw length I want. Like my hunt bow, I try and do that, but I'm only limited to what the cam's gonna let me do. Sure. So it's just more precision adjustments all the way yeah. across the bowl basically it's it's more manipulative yeah. like so, i can 
I can I can have my target bow do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Versus a hunting bow where I'm you know, I throw an eighty percent let off mod in and I can't really do anything with it. So why don't hunting bows I mean, why are, why is there such a crossover between the two? Why don't yeah. hunting bows have that and why you know I mean because most guys don't want seventy percent let off on their hunting bows. Okay. So that yeah, there's probably I mean most most guys that hunt they want they want this big massive let off at the end so they can hold longer yeah. and since I've been shooting my target bow, I mean that target bow feel has gone into my hunting bow now. Okay. Like my hunting bow is pretty much a watered down target bow. <laughs> sure. <laughs> most people are like, that's overkill, yeah. but that's what I shoot all summer. So yeah, I mean there's a reason those target bow guys are you know, the target shooters are doing that. I mean it, you know, it's if it's working and they're throwing yeah. just tack driving, you mm-hmm. know it and then it's not so much it's not so much of a change mm-hmm. from like summer winter shooting back to my hunting bow. It's yeah. like I had that issue last year. I was shooting a VXR twenty eight, and then I was shooting a TRX thirty eight. Oh wow! So that's ten inch axle to axle difference, and it's like I put my thirty eight away, bring out my twenty eight, and it's like I'm shooting a whole. It's like I got to learn how to shoot my bow again. <laughs> right now. Would you ever, would you ever like, bring your target bow out into the hunting hunt into your stand and like if you ever forgot it, or would you turn back around and go get your hunting bow, or would you feel comf- confident enough with your target bow that you could kill a, kill yeah, a deer with it? I just wouldn't be dragging around my twenty-seven inch front bar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well that'd work in a blind or a tree stand. Right. Yeah, it might be a little tough. It's a little overkill. Yeah. Not needed. I mean, good to know that you can do it. Or a five power right. lens. Don't yeah. need a five power lens when you're hunting deer. No. I mean, yeah, I could, I could hunt with it under, you know, perfect scenarios. Mm-hmm. But general hunting, no. Sure. So you said a five power lens. Is that zooming in on that target? Yep. Oh, okay. Sweet. That is cool. I didn't know. I mean, just, I I've never target you know other aside yeah. from just walking around the woods and uh, there's what there's a uh, shop in Galesville. They you know have a three D target range out there and you mm-hmm. walk through the woods and shoot you know they got bison and hogs and mm-hmm. bedded elk and stuff i did that one other time but in techno hunt i did that but there's no need you know you're just lugging around your hunting bowl there's no need yeah. for me to have that but that's cool you're not keeping score really right yep just for practice you're work, just out flinging arrows working angles working you know yeah. different distances figuring out yeah distance i guess yeah and angles is the main thing shooting different targets different yeah right just killing the animals really right Exactly. Versus competition where you're just trying to hit scoring rings. Right. The, the target is just a target at that point. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a bear or a turkey or yeah. a gopher. And yeah. some of them scoring rings aren't anywhere near where I would ever shoot an animal. You know. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Cool. It's They're gen- just scoring rings. and Yeah. It's general area of They're not necessarily... Yep. So... Talk a little bit about your your bow hunting archery setup. Mm-hmm. You said you had a Matthews V three now V three. I okay. went to a V three thirty one. Um, I think I picked that up in February. Okay. Picked that up and put new strings on it, tuned it up. Liking it so far. Yeah. Yeah. The bow shoots really good. Nice. Although turkey season didn't go very good with it. No. No. <laughs> 
Just about sold it. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was a rough turkey season. Did you end up tagging out or? No. Really? Ooh. Sore subject? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on. <laughs> I kind of want to. I want to hear a little bit about no. that. <laughs> I I hit a couple and I don't know if you've ever turkey hunted with a bull. Like, yeah. You got to be spot on with your shot placement. You do. And yeah. I even shoot a two point three inch cut broadhead just to maximize that kill zone. And, yep. You know, I pretty much every turkey I shot, I was like dead turkey mm-hmm. and never found them that hmm. sucks yeah yeah it's tough uh it's a very similar thing happened to me this year and yeah well, i was lucky enough i ended up finding the bird but yeah it, it's tough oh, what, uh, they what, never stop moving they don't it's like shooting a snake crawling through the grass <laughs> right what broadheads do you shoot for rage. turkeys rage yeah the two blade extremes yeah, they, that's a, spe- a specific turkey. No. No, because Rage does make a specific turkey. Yeah, I have shot those, though. Okay. Because I think there's, like, what, a 7 8 inch cutting head on it yeah, already. Yeah, it's like a big that. meat hook. Yeah, yeah. So you don't get a pass-through on them. Yep. No, I've just, I've just always shot the Rage Extreme, and they've proven. 2.3 inches is a lot. Oh, yeah. Wow. My brother shoots them for deer hunting, and <laughs> every deer he shoots, the... The head just explodes. Really? Yeah. Yikes. Blades are junk, but he puts some. He puts holes in deer though. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a hole. It's a hole and a half. <laughs> yeah. So okay, you got your uh, your Matthews bow. What we were just talking about broadheads. What do you shoot for broadheads for deer? I just shoot the Rage Two Blade Original. Okay. Two inch cut. Gotcha. Shot those for probably fifteen years. Okay. That's just had good luck with them. Yeah, no, never had any problems with them, and puts them down. Sweet. Always shot the two blade, never the three. Always two yeah. blade. Yeah, I, I went from I started with a three, and I talked to a lot of guys that shot the two. I started shooting the two, and I mean, like you say, I've never had a problem with them. I shoot well. Shouldn't say I've never had a problem with them. They've been highly successful, but I've, I'm shooting swackers now, but I've never. Since I've been shooting those, I haven't shot a deer with them, so I can't say sure. one way or another which one's better. But yeah, yeah, I'm not one to usually change up that kind of stuff. Like, like I said, I've been shooting them for how many years? It's like why change it? Yeah, it's not why fun. go now and hope something's gonna work better? Yep. yep. It's like I've killed thirty, forty deer with them heads, and it's like no. Yep. Yep, it's and not you can kill. Don't fix it, kind of thing. You can kill with a field point, put it in the right spot. So yeah, I mean, the head's only part of the equation. Yeah, sure. And then what? Uh, what kind of arrows do you are you running right now? I'm shooting the same one Nate's shooting now. Okay. The, and remind me again what that is. They're the gold tip Pierce. Okay. Three forty spine. Gotcha. Micro. Mm-hmm. How many <laughs> grains is that? I think they weigh in at like. 402 okay 100 right grain, around 100 right, grain points right around 400 yep okay and i'm pulling 60 62 pounds okay with like 15 pounds of holding weight what uh what would be like the lightest you would lightest grain arrow you'd go like i'm just trying to think for like my wife who i i dropped my bow off with you yeah uh, with you this afternoon here yep. and you're gonna have to do some work to it um she was struggling to pull back um pull back that 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 weight that 42 pounds yeah so we're gonna dial her down a little bit what are we 35 or 38 or something yeah. somewhere right around then 
This is a bowl that I bought used for. Um, probably not the right draw length, so you're going to look into that, put some new strings on it, talk about some new arrows maybe, but um, what's the lightest like grains you would shoot for a for an arrow? I don't know. I guess that's... I guess it kind of all depends on the draw weight and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's there. the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I shoot I shoot 62 pounds and I shoot the same weight arrow that Nate and my brother are shooting at, mm -hmm. 70 pounds. Same spine arrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess pulling 35 pounds probably... I mean, you could drop down to like a 360, sure. 375 arrow. Yep. Which still it would get the job done. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially like, for a turkey. Yeah. Like I said, it's all shot placement. Right. Yep. And not overstepping your yardage. Mm-hmm. Especially for her. Right. You know, right. 25 yards is a long shot for a mid-30 pound bowl. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the... the uh, the arrows that I shoot weigh in, I think there were 494 grains, if I remember. But I bought this bow right before I was going out, out west elk hunting. So I wanted something a little heavier just to get that momentum, you know, going mm -hmm. through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're pretty heavy. Um, definitely more, you know, more than a turkey needs. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a kid in here at my house on friday he was shooting 600 grain arrows wow he's going out cutting this fall holy cow he's pulling Whoa. he's pulling 75 pounds so sure like justifiable right but for me to shoot a 600 grain arrow at 62 pounds it's like you know my 60 <clears throat> mark now would be with a 600 grain arrow would probably be like 80 yards mm -hmm. you know because that arrow's gonna be dropping you know that's 200 grains more you're pushing out there. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Was he was he worried? I know, uh, you know, all the rage right now is uh, FOC or yeah. front of center. Is he concerned about that at all? or? Um, he seemed to be. Yeah. Yeah. He said he had, I don't know how much weight in the front of that arrow. And sure. He just said he went to the bow shop and said, I want an arrow to kill an elk. And That's 600 what, grains later, there he geez. is. That's what they gave him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I would... I would never be pulling 75 pounds, even if I was going out cotton, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's heavy. Hopefully, you only need to draw back once, but... Yeah. And it's not cold. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you got to practice that, too, and how many times can you pull back and not get into a bad habit, right. you know? But anyway. So but I, I think there is, you know, like, we talked about this a little bit before with, you know, you crank my ball up a little bit, and, like, you got to hold it back, oh, you yeah. know, because, it, like, it's, it's heavier, but... I like shooting that way because it just makes me feel more solid anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily worried about the weight because I think it actually helps. You know, it's like yeah. you got, it's, a, it's just another part of you having to stay where you want to be. And, you know, the more weight you can hold that full draw as holding weight, the more accurate your bow will be. Because, like, if you, like the elites, they got, I don't know, 90-some percent let off. It's like... Well, there's no weight on that string, so, like, if you're pushing on that string a little different every time, it's going to be more influenced versus, like, an 80% let-off bowl. Mm -hmm. Where there's more tension on that string, it's going to be less influenced. That's why most, Makes, tar that's yeah. why most target guys are shooting 70% let-off. Okay. And it, 
Yeah, it keeps you generous on your shot, too. Right. Where if you start easing up, it's going to be... Yeah, exactly. It's not going to feel right. I feel, you know, it's basically sitting right on the crest of, like, it's got to stay right here, and yep. when you let go, it's gone. Yep. It's no, you don't, there's no rocking back and forth, no. so I think accuracy-wise, it almost has to help. It's either there or gone. And it just, it seems, you know, okay, so I'm coming into picking this bow up. It's got new strings on it. It's tuned, new arrows. <laughs> it's just been gone through. It's like a whole yep. new bow. It's poundage is higher, It's and I'm shooting front and rear stabilizer for the first time and you know expecting my sight to be off but it like it yeah it just feels feels tight feels like it's just rocking and rolling and i don't know i shot a dozen arrows through it loved it um shot good and you know it's the difference when you took the stabilizers off oh yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, i'm gonna gonna have to look into that and and, you know basically the rear stabilizer i i don't know a lot of people that shoot them i don't think i ever heard of them before Mm -hmm. talking to you and you know, kind of what you're saying is it's basically a counterbalance for every, all your stuff being on one side of your bow, your sight, your, you know, quiver, uh, if you shoot with yeah, it quiver, all that stuff, opposite side, back side of your bow sticking out, and you can feel it immediately when you grab that bow. It's just, yep, it's balanced. Yep. And then you put the front one on there, and I shot front stabilizers pretty much all my life, and, you know, it helps with the back and forth, but, yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> Honestly, you're like, I, like, you know, had it without even pulling it back, and you can feel it. Well, then you, when you pull it back and it's heavier and it's new strings and everything's tight, it's just like it just gets on target so much faster. Oh yeah, and, and it's and you stay right there. It's you. Yeah. I can, I can see a huge improvement. You know, consistently shooting that, and I would expect to shoot a lot more consistent overall. Yeah. You're not fighting the bow. No. You know. It's just it's stabilizing it's the bow. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And it, yeah, you just gotta be willing to tinker with stuff. Right. Which I do tons of. <laughs> Just what you love to do. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing stays for very long. Yeah. But um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about too is releases. When we were at Nathan's the other mm-hmm. day, I was oh, mentioned. Yeah. I mentioned that I'd kind of like to get myself a hinge release. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, just to try it, you know, I'm just curious, hinge curious, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know that, you know, I have too much target panic. I, you know, I shoot my bow at least three times a week. Um, and I, I don't notice that I, you know, have it. Maybe I do. Um, I guess, it, you know, if you had an archery coach or somebody like you or even somebody like, you know, to take a video of you to look and yeah. see what you're doing, what you're doing wrong. But um, but it, it, it is something that, that interests me. And you shoot, shoot a hinge. hinge release too. Yeah, okay. I just switched to a hinge last, last winter. Okay, and why did you switch? So I had been shooting a true tension, which has a safety on it. So you can draw the bolt back, and then that release is set for a tension at full draw. So we'll just say I'm holding 18 pounds at full draw. Mm -hmm. So then my release would be set at 19 and a half to 20, just to dumb it down, makes sense. So that release is set for 19 and a half or 20 pounds so when you draw back you let off the safety it doesn't go but as soon as you hit that pressure it fires well the problem i was having with that especially like uphill and downhill shots you know everything everything pressures change and i was having misfires or you know you get under a lot of stress shooting Mm -hmm. i started having misfires well i mean that's detrimental to your to your whole 
you know, day of shooting. Right. So then I'm like, well, I'll start shooting a, try a hinge, you know. And I had tried a hinge years ago, and, like, my hand was just very static, and it's based off rotation. Okay. So I, I struggled with it then, and after the whole tension thing, resistance, I'm like, I bet I could shoot a hinge. I'm like, I'm already used to pulling through my shot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all I got to do is just relax some fingers or my, you know, my forearm mainly, and it'll go. So I bought one, and it was like second nature. Mm-hmm. Haven't had any misfires since, and I've now went to a little better one now. I'm shooting a true ball fulcrum flex. Okay. And that's a nice release. Pretty happy with it. Yeah. Gotcha. Nice and heavy. Fits my hand good. Yep. Yeah. And I'm actually going to hunt with that this year. Okay. Yep. I know a lot of guys will, you know, they'll practice with the hinge and then they'll take yeah. their, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, their trigger or their yep. uh, back tension release with so, them, you know. Back to the whole turkey hunting thing. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up this time, not me. <laughs> yep. So, so I shot a thumb button t-handle just whatever for 10 12 years long time and started having target panic with it so then that was when i went to the resistance so i shot that for i don't know probably 10 years okay or so eight and i'd only shoot that for target obviously because i mean that that release is kind of unpredictable for deer hunting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tried deer hunting with it once and never drew back on a deer, but I was practicing it in the stand and it was going off on me. And I'm sure. like, I just can't be having this. <laughs> right, right. So then, so I went to the resistance, shot that for target, shot the thumb button for deer hunting. And I did struggle with the thumb button because I, you know, I developed target panic and have issues mm. with hitting deer exactly where I need them to because I naturally hold low. Mm-hmm. And I, the only way I could remedy that was go to a true tension. Like, just put your pin on the target and pull, mm-hmm. you know, versus try and get your pin on target yeah. while knowing you have control of that shot. Correct, yep. And some guys shoot, you know, they'll float around and they'll bang the trigger and shoot better than me, yep. you know. There's professional guys that shoot that way command shooters but sure. i i can't do it so then turkey season come around and i'm like well i'll just shoot my thumb button and i'm so come to find out i'm i'm good with the thumb button for about two weeks <laughs> and then the target paddock sets in really bad sure <laughs> sure and that's what mainly the turkey season consisted ah. of was battling target panic so will you shoot Will you shoot all turkey season, like practicing? You know, you get home from... I never stop shooting. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> it can be 10 below outside, and I'll be out there in my heavy coat shooting. Sure. <laughs> Makes sense. Obviously, I won't be out there for very long, but... <laughs> right. I'll make sure my stuff's on. Get five on. arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. So, yeah, then I haven't shot my thumb button since. I <laughs> threw that aside, and I'm like, after the last turkey that I hit, I think I hit, like, two or three don't want to admit it but it's hunting it's the way it goes goes. i got home from that hunt looked at my brother and i'm like i'm hunting with my hinge 
Yeah. I'm like, I shot that all winter, and I, I'm confident with it. You know, that's damn it game. That's a huge part of it. Right, exactly. So I whipped out the hinge and just started banging arrows with my hunting bow and my hinge, and that was a little getting used to, mm-hmm. just because I never shot my hunting bow with a hinge. And then, of course, I never had a chance to another turkey, but by then I was just... I was just over the whole turkey game. Yeah, yep. sounds like it. <laughs> so, yeah, my thumb button just sits upstairs and collects dust. Yeah, I just yeah. use it for test shooting bows, essentially. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, now you know. <clears throat> yeah, the hard way. But like I said, I I know I have target panic, and, like, my shots take a while to go just because, I don't know, I just, I need a surprise shot. Yeah. And it's not... Not a hundred percent a surprise shot. There is a little click, yeah, in that, so you know it's about to go off. It's not going to yep. totally surprise you a hundred percent, right? Yeah. What do they call that? It's a just a click. Yeah, but there's a in this in the release. There's two different um, adjustments you can make. Correct. Yeah. So some releases have a single moon, and some of them are dual moons. Okay. A lot of them have been going to the dual moons. Yep. So you can adjust your. So you can draw back and adjust when it clicks, and then you can adjust your click to fire. Okay. Because some people will like a real quick click, then fire. Yep. Some people will like a three-second click, then fire. Mm-hmm. And some people in between or even you yep. know longer. So I just, on that fulcrum, I got just a regular click on it, and it is a bit slow mm-hmm. for me. So I do, I have struggled with that a little bit. And they do sell a fast click, but I feel like that's going to be too much. Sure. And then I'm going to be back into the misfiring. Yep. But, yeah, I draw back, hit my click, and then that's when my shot process starts. Like, a lot of times, I'll hit my click, like, right when my hand hits my face. Okay. And then it's six to ten seconds after that. Oh, okay. So you get a pretty long click fire. Yeah. Gotcha. And I've always held for eight to 12 seconds. I'm a long holder. Hmm. Yeah, I'm total opposite of that. But <laughs> get on target and bang it away. Yeah. So you you I mentioned can't do that. You mentioned something a shot process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go through your shot. What uh, describe what a shot process is, and then go through your shot process. Um. I mean, talking target or are we talking? Let's go deer with hunting. Deer hunting. Deer hunting. Um. Obviously, no other range. Okay. I shoot a single pin slider, half forever. Never shot a dual pin. I guess I just get the yardage, or know the yardage most times. Mm-hmm. Set the set my pin on my tape and double check it. I do that with target too. Measure I, twice, cut once, kind yep. of deal. Yeah. <laughs> target. I've been burned a few times. Not check my sight tape again. Okay. Or misset it tw- twice. You know, but. I mean, yeah, usually my shot process is the same, whether it's target or hunting. Okay. So you're ranging your target. Range. Changing your sight. Yep. Range, set my sight, draw back, and execute the best shot you can. Do you have anything that you go through in your mind, like pick a spot, count down, anything like that that you say to yourself, okay, here we go. I know some guys will say, here we go, just to remain Mm -hmm. mindful of the scenario. You just pick a spot and... Yeah, Roll just it. focus on that one spot. Because gotcha. the second you look it back at his rack, it's, it's a, <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's when that's when you come, uh, come on. Yeah, glued. most times I just 
all right, I'm shooting this deer, and then it's just following vitals yep. all the way in and, you know, draw back just before openings. Sure. Or when you can. Gotcha. Now, I know, Nathan, you have a shot process, too. Yep. You've even written it down certain places. Yeah. I think in your old boat, did you have it written down on your, had it, your riser? Or? I had it uh, written on the bottom of my brim. Of your hat? Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, it, and it's, you know, it, it always starts out with, I'm always checking distances in the stand. I know all my distances mm-hmm. from different directions they're coming from or or where they might be and stuff like that. So I know until you got one that comes a different way and then you got to be ready, right? Yeah. So when it gets to like, you know, you got a deer coming in that I'm going to shoot, I make my decision very fast. If it's a if it's a something that I think's a shooter buck, I'm not counting points. I'm I can tell by looking at him from 50 yards away and he's moving. I'm okay, here we go and I'm getting my bow. I'm not shooting. I'm, you know, I get looped up. I'm looking to where you know what yardage he's coming into that I know. Looking in front of the deer. Yep. yep. Looking in front of the deer, but when I go into the actual shot process, mine is, uh, you know, what I what I write down is uh, draw, anchor, aim, focus, breathe, squeeze, and just to, because when it happens, most times it's like, now he's already by you. You know, right. if you can't get him stopped, that that's what it was right there. He just came through, mm-hmm. so. Just when I'm looking to sh- set up my shot and get the pin on them and follow them, that's what's going through my mind. Is I'm already drawn, I'm anchored, but follow the process through, you know, and a lot of times, you know, like just put a peep sight back on my bow. Yeah. When was the last time you shot a peep sight? Well, that one had one on it, and like I said, hunting ground blinds, it, it messes me up a lot, but also... Mm-hmm that string was probably stretched and stuff like that it wasn't working out so that's part of like the focus is like if i'm screwing around with a peep sight that i'm having issues with and that you know this i can't get this deer to stop and it's but it's still part of the process you know it's Mm -hmm. um and it's it's simple it's just like you know it's like uh it's like second nature as as long as you go through it the same way every time and one of the big reasons i came up with that is so that when shit is hitting the fan like you got something to like go back on to that's like this is step one this is step seven or whatever it is Mm -hmm. like i'm still taking all the steps if it works out and i make the shot perfect if something happens that i don't get a shot or i miss i still know through i i know i went through the process i want to go through because when you're sitting back on the couch you know and pissed off because this deer wouldn't stop and you thought he was a different distance or whatever happens you're like what the hell went wrong well i don't know but i went through all the stuff i should have gone through mm-hmm. you know so it's it's more of just a checking it's like a checklist you know yep um yep. it's basic though it's it really is it's second so, nature when you do it every time so when you even when you're target practicing in your yard will mm-hmm. you go through that draw anchor mm-hmm. aim focus I, focus breathe squeeze breathe, squeeze i always do that two or three times you know i started doing this you guys probably did it when you're starting out shooting bow and you shot 20 arrows that night and then all of a sudden it's like here comes a big one Mm -hmm. you know he's like it's like five you're like you know it's the bottom of the ninth bases are loaded there's two outs and here you come up the bat you know (laughs) like you do when you're a little kid it's the same thing so it's like okay here he comes in i gotta make like this has to be a bullseye Mm -hmm. yeah so then you that's what that's what i started with like okay well you know and this is 
from way back in the day before I ever shot any of the cool stuff we shoot now, but just something to try to get you to be consistent and like put a little pressure on yourself to yeah. make you make the shot when you have to. But I'll always put pressure on myself with, with the first shot. You know, yeah, I was gonna make coming out of coming out of the house. You just went and set your target down. You ranged it. First arrow. All right, this one's got to count. So speaking of that, yeah. during the fall, I park out back. Whatever. Yep. During the fall, I'll step outside, shoot one arrow before work. And that's the kill one. Yep. Sweet. I'll shoot that one arrow, hang the bow, go to work. Yep. It's just like you aim way harder when you know you're only shooting one arrow. Right. And, and, that's, and when you're in the woods, you're not going to be shooting 30 practice rounds no, before. Exactly. You're shooting one arrow. Yep. 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 Maybe two, but <laughs> you, hopefully you know, not. I, and it varies for me. A lot of times, you know, I don't. If I shoot a lot of arrows, it's like I'll shoot a lot of arrows this week because I got to dial that sight back in and whatever, and I got a whole new setup. But mm-hmm. I always shoot. If I'm going to go shoot ten ar- ten arrows at three different distances, I'm way better than I am if I go out there and try to shoot thirty arrows. Because by the end of that, I feel like at least for me, like I'm not shooting as good as the at the end as I am at the beginning. But I also know, like you said. You go outside, shoot an arrow before you're going to work. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in the stand, you're going to have one shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I almost, I try to, I'm not saying don't shoot more because you'll develop bad habits or you'll get tired and not shoot as good. But I think you're right about that. Like, go shoot a couple arrows and just pinwheel them. And yep. just know that, like, I can step out that door and tenering one anytime I want. Mm-hmm. And practice at your max. Yep. Comfortable distance. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you can practice at 60, 80 yards, 20 yards, that's going to be a chip shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, 100%. Versus standing at 20 yards all summer, and then it's like, oh, I got a 30-yard shot, you know. Yeah. That's, like, for me, coming off the target side. Like, the ASA is 45-yard max, so it's like I'm shooting out to dang near 50 all summer, so... Yeah, you're going to get a lot of stuff in your range when you're hunting. That's a chip shot compared yeah. to what you're shooting all summer. Most of my hunt shots are closer than target shots anyways. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cool. So I want to run a couple scenarios by you here. Yep. And this, this can happen to anybody. And as we all know, it, it and sometimes it has. So scenario one, and this will uh, we'll go through we'll, uh, for scenario's sake, I guess. We'll pretend that this happened today. Sound good? So you get a call from the landowners that you hunt, and it's the 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 son of the landowner, and it's a, okay. a, a bad call. The landowner just passed away. So, sorry, Andrew, uh, we're not going to let you hunt here anymore because the farm's for sale. Been so there. You, yeah, yeah, like I said, it, it can happen. Not, not just scenarios. Yeah. So... Uh, where do you start? I mean, what do you what do you look for first? Um, what's your plan B? And uh, and I guess after you answer those, where do you hang your first trail camera? Boy, I don't know. I mean, thankfully, I've been pretty blessed with having multiple places to hunt. Sure. And I know a lot of people. You know, when I when I first started hunting, and I talked to a guy just last night about this, I'm like, when I started hunting. You could hunt anywhere you wanted. 
you just had to pretty much tell the landowner, yeah. you know, hey, I'm going to hunt. It didn't matter. And now it's like everything's gotten leased up, you know, bought out. And it's just, it's gotten crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, and I've had that scenario happen where they've sold it. And thankfully it wasn't the main farm we hunt. It's just a supplemental farm that your plan b farm right just another spot to go Mm -hmm. and yeah it sucks but you know eventually another spot will open up somewhere so how did you handle that when that when that happened did you rely more on your plan b spot or did you have cameras already set set more on your plan b spot or yeah so that property they sold they sold like in december and i didn't know until like February because we were out there shed hunting oh yeah and the neighboring landowner was driving by and I'm like oh that's kind of weird well we're on his property now okay so then I don't know how because the landowner never reached out to me and I think I just made like oh I was on Beacon and I was just looking at the property I'm like whoa 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 this is under someone else's name <laughs> so i messaged landowner and yeah we sold that a couple months ago he didn't get a hold of you i'm like nope. no i found out the hard way yeah <laughs> thankfully it wasn't like week four season and sure you know i'm gonna be hunting this spot opening night and now i can't because it's sold but if you get into i mean hypothetically like you're gonna get into your honey hole gets pulled out from underneath you you got a little bit of time to go find something what are you looking for you know good mix of everything field bedding in between gotcha (laughs) field bedding in between looking for water probably on there or where that's at if there is some water's water's a huge thing never used to be like sold on it but our main farm, it's like the one spot. Like we have the spot, and it's a water hole. Okay, I mean everything's got to drink, right? I mean, yeah. How water much water? Crucial. Yeah, at least once a day, a deer's got to visit a water oh, hole. Yeah, especially during the rut too. When oh, it's three, four, six times a day they're hitting that mm-hmm. near we've bedding. All, we've all seen a deer, you know, a buck cruising with his mouth wide open, just oh, yeah. panting like a dog. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'd be thirsty. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so that being said, you know, back to the question, where would you hang your first camera? Would you hang it on a water hole right now? Or would you yeah. hang it somewhere else, like on a bean field? or? Right now I'd probably put it on water. On water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. So I guess that kind of leads to the next scenario, scenario number two. It's late August, early September, like it is right now. Mm-hmm. And you got a pick of just a dandy, mature, just a di- a giant, a deer you'd want to hang on your wall. So let's say you got a picture of him at this water, this water hole. He's drinking whatever he came there, 9.30 at night, just to get a sip of water. How do you take that picture and pinpoint his home range? Um, try and use other trail cameras, okay. I guess. So do you just kind of cast a wide net of, you know... Pretty much. Putting them here, putting one on a uh, yep. between a bedding source and a feeding source, 
put one on another spot of water maybe yeah pinch points what are you looking for to, to cast that or how where are you setting other cameras so we got a new a new property to hunt this year like i was telling you earlier and the one camera i got set up it's kind of 30 yards off the field on where this logging road goes into the woods and it's facing facing towards a neighbor's property and you know you'd think oh you're using this road right yeah you know side to side no a lot of those deer were coming straight at the camera crossing that road so then it's like okay well you start walking over that way it's like oh well, there's this huge trail well come to find out that trail is 20 yards inside the wood line and it just follows this whole ravine all the way up mm-hmm. so i guess yeah i'd start hanging cameras up on that north side of all that ditch sure you know and maybe even hang cameras just to see where he's not yep you know for what I mean? sure yeah mm-hmm. cross that off the list he's not here yep. don't waste my time there yeah makes sense yeah i've done that before um and you th- like i had probably three cameras within like maybe a hundred yard block probably smaller than that and it was like well i you know basically targeting a specific buck like well he's in here is he always coming on this trail or this trailer is he using both of them well come to find out a lot of times when that buck was coming in there i wouldn't get him on either trail because he was bedding in there and i would it was a spot i would have never ever thought he would have bedded mm-hmm. you know but it was you know old deer smart like bedded far enough from the road and in enough cover to where he can get in and out of there easy but it looks like the perfect spot you'd want to walk in to access your land well guess who's land you know and yeah i I put i put cameras in a small area and just tried to you know figure it out and cast a wide net too but sometimes you just get lucky and find something out that well another thing is is how many times you sit in a tree stand and not one deer walks in front of your camera yeah you know what yeah. i mean yep yep i mean you could Camera's have not going to catch it all you could have you could have 10 cameras set up at each stand and mm-hmm. Maybe one camera will catch the actual deer movement for that night. I know it happens to me all happens to us all the time. So do you ever use video to help you figure out where that deer's coming from? No. No. Never put your cameras on video. No. Okay. Because I know some guys will do. You know, uh, a picture will only give you kind of what direct. You know, what mm-hmm. direction the deer is facing, but that doesn't. You know, necessarily tell you where he came in or how fast he was coming in yeah or, mm-hmm. or i guess his you know his body language and reading that but i guess for us on our main farm it's like we've hunted it for 10 years sure it's like we know where the deer are we know where they'll be headed you know to and from at certain points of the year mm-hmm. so it's like trail cameras are more or less like oh he's he was over here on this date and then over here that afternoon and it's like i don't really base my hunts off that really because i mean how many times you get a picture of a deer in shooting light one day and you go in there the next day hoping he's there and he ain't mm-hmm. yeah i would say i would say history with the property is more important than a trail camera i'll tell you okay 100 percent. absolutely so uh, with hunting a, with hunting a farm for like you said 10 years what kind of you know describe your favorite stands on that farm your historical stands that are just always shit hot and 
you know on November 3rd that you can go sit there and you're going to see... Our water pond near bedding. Okay. How far in relation to that 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 pond is the bedding? Um, so I would say the main bedding is probably... 250 yards. Okay. And then... So you can get in there fairly undetected. Yeah, you can get... You can get in from both ways, but it's on top of the hill, and you have to walk to the top of the hill or take this, the logging road halfway up or whatever, mm-hmm. and then, I don't know. I guess we're out there enough with the side-by-side so the deer aren't too alarmed by it, but it's like you're still bumping deer around, mm-hmm. but we're up there enough, like you said, that it's, I mean, if a deer spooks, they don't really spook. Yeah. Most times you drive right by them. There's even times where we're headed to stand and, you know, one of us, there's a buck bedded up on the hill. <laughs> you know, we drive right by him and he never even moves. Sure. We just carry on and go to our stands and hope he, you know, if it was deer we wanted to shoot or whatever, but <laughs> come in. And then, yeah, like I said, the, the main bedding is probably 250 yards. And then to the south, there's a pretty good little knob cedar knob and that one's that one's only probably 150 yards so it's like we're kind of right in the middle on a ridge and it's just it's perfect setup yeah sounds pretty good yeah (laughs) (laughs) yep i shot i shot my 2020 buck and my 21 buck out of the same exact sand okay and then my brother shot his buck last year out of the um south wind stand we got two stands set up on it okay so you can hunt it with given a different wind so we set the one stand up and then we're like well we can't hunt this on north wind you know because it's blowing right over the pond oh what happens when the does come in yeah they wind you and blow everything out yeah so we i think we hunted that you know we're just strictly trying to hunt it on south winds and then uh i think it was in 20 2020 we had a big bastard on camera okay and i'm like we can't be only hunting this on south winds this is like we'll never kill this deer yeah you don't get a lot don't nope. get too many south winds around no nope. every so, once in a while when it gets warm but so my brother's like well what are you gonna do i'm like we're gonna hang on our stand yeah we went up there in the dark after work one night with light bars on the four-wheeler <laughs> hung a stand for a north wind and that's sweet, because you just go up there, wind check, oh, going to that stand, going to that stand. That'd be perfect. Yep. It is. It's just textbook. Yeah. The only thing that's missing is a food plot, really. Sure. But, yeah, like I said, we shot three bucks in the last two years, so. Mm-hmm. Nice. Proven. Yeah. And during the season, just before we rot, we were hauling 70 gallons of water every four to five days. Wow. So you're drinking. Is it on a, like a ridge top almost? Or yeah, there's, there's kind of a, to... there's like a main ridge and that splits off and then we're kind of off that ridge a little bit on another ridge that's headed out. Okay. But we can see that ridge top and all that. I mean, it's, yeah. There's like a massive ridge out to the west and then that ridge goes through our pond up probably... 80 yards and then it meets up with another ridge okay that goes out either way 
So it's kind of a, a tee, really. There's all kinds of bedding for them out there. Yeah, it's... I mean, deer come from all directions. Sure. Nice. But most of them come, like I said, right out of the bedding. My brother's buck and my buck, dang near same trails. I shot mine on December 4th, I think. First buck in December I've ever shot. Nice. Then he shot his... Was it the... I think it was a Thursday before first gun season. Okay. Whatever day that was. Early no, November. November 2nd or 3rd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Coming out of the bedding. Great time of year to do it. And actually, I oh, yeah. I, I hunted out of the same stand he was in that morning. And I had parked at the bottom and walked all the way to the top. <laughs> Got up there, and I was only in the stand for probably... 45 minutes hour maybe morning hunt sitting there and i was facing west and i looked down to my right and same trail i walked in on that buck was standing down there and that's probably 55 yards and he comes up behind me and there's a bunch of scrapes that they have underneath this one tree every year 20 yards ripping these scrapes up i'm filming it and you know i'm like he's gonna come into the water and i'm gonna plug him and nope <laughs> he just turned around and come to find out there was a dole farther to the north well he wanted more to do with the dole than the water mm-hmm. so then he laughed and then you know we finished out the morning hunt and then that afternoon my brother's like where should I go? I get it all the time. Where should I go? <laughs> I'm like, I go sit in that stand. Yeah. And the glorious thing about cell cameras is I was hunting on another farm. And I'm like, that buck's up there. I'm like, yep. he's probably going to come back. And we got a cell camera between the pond and that bedding to the north. And sure shit, here he comes coming across that ridge phone dings I call my brother i'm like get your bull and get up because he's on his way well by the time by the time he answered he could already see the buck coming shot him at 10 yards nice it was just like yeah this is this just ain't even fair really but yeah, yeah. well he was coming that way anyway well he was already yeah. in the stand right yeah but yeah that was just had to wake him up that was like textbook it's like plan actually worked that right. time yeah sweet yeah Not somebody's got to get in that stand and kill that damn deer <laughs> yeah right? and yeah like i said a lot of that's just it goes back to the history yeah you guys know what you're doing with the spot it sounds like yeah that's like our go-to yep yeah that's that's I mean, money that's just proven every year yep. really and so, not to say we don't have other good spots on that farm but it's like if there's one spot and I only had a week to hunt, I'd be spending two days, you know, hunting that. Mm-hmm. You know, like a morning here, an afternoon there, just to not overpressure it. But yep. if I only had a few days to hunt, I would only be in one of those two stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd be there all day. Because mm-hmm. it's just... And that was kind of funny because we, we mainly put it up there to keep it out of the cattle. Because okay. we're like, well, we're not going to be watering the freaking cattle. So we're like, <laughs> we're like, we'll just go put it up on top. And there's really no rhyme or reason as to why we put it there. It was like the first the first year, 
Um, didn't have cell cameras then, so you know how it is. It, you go three, four weeks before you check them sometimes. Yep. And it's like, shit, should have been up here on these days. <laughs> yeah. So the cell cameras have really changed how we hunt that. Because yep. we know immediately. But, yeah, the last few years it's proven. And it's just, like I said, it's just kind of one of those dumb luck setups. Well, I mean... Not it's not dumb. I mean, like like we were talking about, deer need to drink, right? You know, so it's. I mean, but it there makes was, sense. yeah, they need to eat, which is why people hunt over food plots and. But we didn't we didn't have the stands already there, and then said, well, we need a pond there. Sure, we sure. more or less put the pond there. Yeah, and then realized that holy shit, we need to be up here hunting more. Yeah, yeah. and that's just, yeah. It, well, there's nothing wrong with it working out that way either. You know, you can. You don't always have to figure out stuff the hard way. No. Right. You know? Yep. Yep. And me and Nate have talked a lot about water and bedding. And oh, yeah. I try to talk to everybody, you know. And mo- I would say most people will probably agree with water mm-hmm. over food plots. Yep. During yep. During the non-frozen time of the year, obviously. Right. I mean, come late season, obviously brassicas are hard to beat mm-hmm. or staining beans or you know but yeah yeah one of the first things i did when i moved into my house it's not even you know it's in a little subdivision it's not even you know out in the country or anything but i got you know a little bit of wood so i cr- crawled up back there i had a, one of those blue 55 gallon barrels cut in half hot, hot dog style and dug it yep. in the water and ran a hose up to yep. it and I was getting pictures immediately, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's different if you're on a farm or land that there is water anyways in different spots. Mm-hmm. But if you're on a bluff, like a lot of the spots we hunt are, and, like, the only water that's out there is the water you put there, it's going to be shit hot if you if you approach it right and don't pressure it too much and stuff like that. When you're not there, like right now when it's hot, and when they're rutting and they're running and they're drinking, they're going to be there unless you screw it up. That's the way I feel. And that's one nice thing, too, is, you know, these days Google Earth, I mean, there's not an inch of the world that's not hasn't hasn't had a picture taken yep. of it. So take your property, look what's around, you know, see where, how far it is that a deer's going to have to travel mm-hmm. to get to water. I'd like he's to going to have to travel pretty far. Add to that, too, so we've got... There's a pond on the property, and it's in the pasture, and it's just a muck hole. But mm-hmm. it, you know, it's water. Yep. But it's like, those deer hit our pond probably ten to one. Yeah. They don't, like, they'll go down to it, but it's not like, it's not like our freshwater pond. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like those deer would hit a freshwater pond, ten to one. And just the fresh water you think they're liking and. It's not, well, yeah, it's cattle running in it and stomping and shitting in it. And I mean, would you rather drink Bush Light or Miller Light? Yeah, well, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, same thing. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> You'd rather drink the Bush Light, apparently. Yep. <laughs> so I, wanna, I wanted you to talk uh, a little bit about uh, the importance of shooting does, too. Last time we were, we were hanging out at Nate's, um, you mentioned that... Uh, you, you guys do do that quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit about that and why it is so important to shoot does. Try and keep the bucks from just locking down in one area. Mm-hmm. Plus, shooting does is fun. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I'd rather shoot does than bucks. <laughs> does are way harder to shoot. But, yeah, I guess that's the main thing, just balance deer herd out more. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've heard, you know, a, a lot of research, too, on it about, like, uh, you know, competition. You know, mm-hmm. everybody likes to shoot big bucks. And, yeah. they, you know, and that's not what it's all about for everybody. Yeah. But for a lot of guys, it is. You know, everybody. And who wouldn't rather shoot a bigger buck? You mm-hmm. know, you know, something to hang on their wall and talk about and take a nice picture of and, you know, share with their family. But it's you know a lot of it boils down to competition too like you said balancing the deer herd if mm-hmm. you know there's say 80 80 does out there i mean they're eating quite a bit of the resource that that's right. taken away from that buck and you know he he doesn't have as much energy to put into himself and his well, antler growth and his health his body then, health and then come rut you know if he goes into an area and there's a dozen does in there and two of them are in heat. Why? Why would he have any desire to go off into somewhere else? Right. You know where you knock that doe number down to five, and there's one in heat. Right. He might be done with that one and cruising on to the next one, which you know where that other doe would have been right there is now other side of the farm or something yeah i think that's a that's a big part of the competition where it's like yeah it all ties together you got this big harem of does and how many are in heat are you gonna how long is he gonna stick around with this one on that one and then maybe another one comes in you know you spread out those numbers and they got to move more mm-hmm. their range gets bigger they got they got to run harder i think you know i think same thing like you were saying matt with uh you know resources too you know if you got a small food plot and getting mowed down by 15 does a night mm-hmm. you know it's there ain't gonna be as much left there late season you want when you want to hit it you know maybe yeah. a loader or whatever and and i think i think too it serves for a more successful rut you know i think it does 100 percent. that doe she's only in heat for 36 hours i think they say they go into heat for so you know if he's got you know 18 does to breed and <laughs> yeah he's got his work cut out for him but if he's got you know eight to breed a little easier for yeah. him and then i i heard one thing too earlier um i think it was like a qdma study or now they call it national deer association but um it was about the the time that the the gestation period the time that the doe was bred you know in whatever november between november 3rd let's say and november 10th so that one week and then all those does will drop their fawns at the same time but if that doe's got 18 or that yeah. buck's got 18 does to breed maybe he misses one of them and yeah. now he's got a breeder again 28 days later yep. so that fawn drops 28 days later too it doesn't have as good of a chance of survival as it does getting dropped mm. with all the other group i just seen last week a guy posted a picture of a doe that was pregnant just a couple weeks ago and they traced it back and it was like late january or something that, that she was bred yeah no kidding it's like holy yeah, the, that, that fawn's gonna be well, dang near wet come hunting season. Yeah, it'll be playing catch up the rest <laughs> I mean, of its life. Really, I, it's I, probably gonna get taken out by coyotes. Yeah, so. I think I told you about this last year. Maybe even you too, Matt. Out in uh, on the way to where I hunt, I mean, I think it was maybe this time right now or something. I I saw a fawn. I thought it was a dog. Like I I stopped in the road and it was a fawn, and I was like, 
the thing looked like it was six pounds. Yeah, I'm not wow. kidding. You. you know, I was like, <laughs> and I remember talking to somebody about like that thing don't have a chance. You know, like yeah. Yep. I think I do remember that now. And it was just like I, I couldn't believe it. But you know, a scenario like that. Yeah. And if it if it is a male fawn, that that buck will be catching or playing catch up for the first well three years of its life until it finally oh, can it's gonna have bully its way it's gonna around. have a hell of a hard time you know so if it even makes it past right. six months yeah yeah but you were saying too now i don't know if this is the same spot they were just talking about where you you and your brother have been having success but you're talking earlier when we were uh screwing with the bows about how much you love shooting does and how this spot that you hunt that's used to be what you'd go in there for is to kill a bunch of does yeah but now you're killing big bucks there yeah right hunting big bucks well yeah but you're killing them too right But you know maybe it's a maybe that's a good example right there you know you you know not to say that you 100 percent that that spot wasn't going to be a good big buck spot anyways but you might have just improved that spot through the years by shooting a bunch of does consistently to where more bucks consistently use it now Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you're taking advantage of maybe a better age class of buck. He uses that spot, you know. 2020, I was hunting the biggest buck of my life in that spot. And if you would have told me when I first started hunting that, however, like, been hunting that longer than the main farm, but if you would have told me 12 years ago or so that I would would have been hunting the biggest buck of my life out of there, I'd have laughed at you. Yep. Just because all the bucks I've seen were scrubs small bucks and it's like i don't know it's just last couple of years it's just the bucks are in there thick how many does i mean between you and your brother how many does you shoot in a year mm, six yeah so between two people that's pretty damn good yeah and they're pretty much all off the same farm right yeah i don't think we i don't think we shot does anywhere else no we definitely do our part in shooting does mm-hmm. yeah. always have and really i mean you got to rely too on your neighbors too if you're shooting six yeah that's a lot but right if your neighbor's just big buck hunting then it makes it tough yeah. i mean six then really isn't a lot you know yeah but so you can hopefully only... your neighbors are on the same page and yeah i guess i guess we've never shot six does and then the following year like Oh, there's no deer. Yep. Never noticed that. Mm-hmm. It's like every year it's just, you know, seems like every doe has twins and it's kind of it's kind of that vacuum theory. Yeah. You take one big bass out of that fishing hole, well, another one's going to move in because it's a good spot for mm-hmm. a big bass to be. Yeah. You know. Very same true. thing. Same thing with bucks and does. I mean, if you shoot the big old bruiser who Absolutely. rules the roost, you shoot him and take him out. Well, you know. Mm-hmm. He liked I mean, that he, spot for a reason. Bucky Junior's gonna, yeah. yeah. He liked that exactly. He liked that spot for a reason, and Bucky Junior's gonna move in there. And mm-hmm. well, why did I think there's a lot to that too? Yeah. Yep. Why did mm-hmm. that buck get big? Well, because it was good resources. He had his shelter, water, Thick. and you know his girls with him, and and food. Right. So, Bucky Junior's gonna do that same thing. Absolutely. So he'll, he'll just fill the shoes. So, yeah. Well, deer are more alike than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So very adaptable animals. If you could look in to a crystal ball, if I had one sitting here at the table, and you can look in and tell the future of this hunting season, what day 
are you going to shoot your big old bruiser that you got on camera? First part of November. Early November? Yep. Got to pick one day. November, no, October 31st. October 31st. <laughs> I always I always really like hunting Halloween. Yeah. And I always try That's to probably what off. everybody yeah. would say. Yeah. <laughs> I've never shot a buck on Halloween. Last year, i never even seen a deer on Halloween. Yeah. But, yeah, I would... Oh, just, it's such a fun time to be in the woods. Yeah, everything's changing. Yeah. It's like Halloween is just like the kickoff. Yeah. You know, it's just like, here yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> maybe exactly. saw a little action before that, or maybe you saw something yeah. starting to pick up, but you know, like, yeah, Halloween's here. here. <laughs> woods are getting a little spooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something's going to start running around pretty soon. Yeah, it's a great time to be in the woods. Yeah. Everybody wants to kill a giant on Halloween. Right. We always take that week off before gun season, so... Right before the old orange army comes out. Yeah, that's yeah. all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, one other thing I like to ask all my guests is can you tell me about a time when you were outdoors when time was standing still? Hmm. Probably in 2020 when I was hunting that biggest buck of my life. Okay. Yep. I'll tell you a little story about that, too. He, I was hunting that spot where we'd pound does every year, and... Knew he was in there. Well, actually, we knew where he was all summer. Disappeared. Started pouring cameras in there. Couldn't find him. And then, just on a on a limb, I'm like, I'm gonna go hang a stand in this spot. And that's kind of that was like the kickoff to that whole spot, you know. And like last year, was the same way. The big deer in there. Hung a camera on like a Tuesday or something, and I checked it. Friday night, and I'm like, he's got to be in there. Sure shit, Friday night, there he was. At, it was like an hour before dark. And the stand I have is just a little 12-foot ladder stand, and I'm like, this deer's six and a half years old. He He's going to be outsmarted <laughs> by a guy in a 12-and-a-half-foot ladder stand. Maybe not, but in my mind, I'm like, nope, we're putting a hang on in that exact spot, and hunted Saturday night and I was just blown away by all the deer movement bucks and so then I think it was maybe the following Saturday Nathan probably remembers the snap um bunch of does always come up out of the bottom from their morning or night feeding they filter right up past you and they just happened to be coming through to my left and I'm like, holy shit, there he is. And we've had four years of four years of history of this buck, six and a half, we figured. Mm-hmm. Coming through, I arranged it, I'm like 28 yards, and there's like eight or ten does that come through. Got ready, drew back on film. I'm like, he's gonna die today. And like, I'm like, I just cannot believe this. And he comes out through the little opening and I stop him and he stops with his leg to me, but his leg that was to me was straight back, quartered to some. And I had my pin on him for the longest time and I'm just like, I can't do it. I let down on him. Wow. I gave up my opportunity on that deer and I watched him run away chasing them does. And like right there, I sat down and was like, you are way pickier than you think. <laughs> <laughs> like a deer of that caliber to just 
let down because, like I said, I've, like turkey season, I've had those experiences where it's like, I got to shoot. Mm-hmm. It's like, it just didn't feel right, and I just let down. Yep. I'm like, on a deer like that, I don't, yep. don't want to make a subpar shot, be off on the neighbors, and then the neighbors pass them, trailing this deer. And so I just let him go. And I sat down, watched him walk away. I'm just like, can't believe I just did that. You know, he could have came through 10 other times and I shot him every single time, but that (laughs) time he didn't. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I still remember him dipping over the hill. I'm just like, biggest year of my life, just let down on. That's respect for the animal right there, though. Right. And then. You know, it's probably a good decision overall. You know, it was. Yeah. And looking back, I wouldn't regret it at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could have maybe slid it, slid it more towards his neck, but something like that, like no. Yeah. yeah you don't. You don't want to screw up the first chance you had at a deer yeah. hunted like that, and, and take a marginal shot. And the hunt continued after that. I had another encounter with him following week or the week after i actually had pictures of him on the cell camera up on the hill and he was headed that direction when i woke up and i'm like he's gonna be headed down where them does are sure shit hour in ish i could hear something walking around because it's super thick behind the stand i stood up slow and looked and there he was standing 20 yards right behind me Hmm. just looking around I'm like, maybe I'll get him today. And he starts coming closer, but same direction. And I was in an oak tree, and there's a limb in my way. So I, I can't shoot, you know, I can only shoot, like, straight right or straight left. I can't shoot back any farther than that. And he wouldn't, wouldn't come out, wouldn't come out, turn around, and... At one point, I had that buck at five yards behind the stand. Wow. I could have shot him with a pistol, nine millimeter. <laughs> just coming up just coming up through the brush, just pushing his way through. I'm just like, so that was encounter number two. Wow. And then encounter number three was, I think, um, I think that was during gun season. We had pictures of him on our pond, actually, at noon. And... We were over at my mom's, and I just, because that was the year my brother shot his opening night, so I could hunt wherever I wanted to. And I'm like, what's the closest stand that I feel like he's going to be walking by to that pond? And I picked the right one because he was, he was between me and the pond, but uphill from me. And I can still remember his rack up on that hillside at 150 yards, bare eye. And he was the only deer that didn't come through, of course. <laughs> and then that deer ended up getting shot, I think, opening day of second season. Okay. Some guy stopped in and with some kids and like, hey, can we do some drives? So we're like, we're like, <laughs> Lenor called my brother and he's like, oh, not, you know, didn't, nobody's gone out of that farm in years now. It's all just been us bow hunting it. And, yeah, they went down there and shot one deer. What deer was it? <laughs> it was him. <laughs> it was him. And yeah. then, 
So the landowner called my brother and they're like, yeah, they that shot, sucks. they shot a nice buck. And so they, my brother's like, well, I want to see it. Bring it out here. Mm-hmm. They bring it out. My brother calls me and he's like, we got pictures of a 10 pointer with a little hook on his beam. I'm like, yeah, that's left brow. He, he never realized how big it was either. And then the guy lives in town here. And so I, get my truck and I'm banging up and down every street trying to find this guy and sure shit it was him hmm. that sucks I don't know what he scored but it's like damn yeah put your hands on him it's like yeah holy shit probably be years before I have that kind of story on a deer yeah. but yeah that's I never know that 17 pointer that was that was my third encounter with him mm-hmm. you know it's like I can never just get him on the first try. The buck I shot last, <laughs> the buck I shot last year, I seen him a couple weeks prior in a different spot where we shoot all those does. It's just like, yeah, there's only a couple bucks I've shot that have come through and I shot them the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's always something, you know. But that's bow hunting. That's right. That's what I love. That's right. right. Sweet. Well, last section here, I call it my this or that section. It's a, it's a series of 10 questions, two options. Um, so I'll rattle them off, and then we'll, uh, we'll just wind up from here. Sound good? Sure. So um, whatever, I'll, like I said, I'll list two questions or two options. You just tell me whichever one you think sounds cooler, whichever one you like more. All righty? Yep. All right. So first one, hunting over a decoy or a mock scrape? Hmm. Probably just a mock scrape. All right. What about a pinch point or a food plot? Food plot. Mixed blade or mechanical? I'm sorry, fixed blade or mechanical? Mechanical. All right. All day. <laughs> All right. So stand snacks. You're going to take with you an apple or a Snickers bar? Snickers bar. <laughs> 3D or target shooting? 3D. All right. Mills Fleet Farm or Blaine's Farm and Fleet? Mills Fleet Farm. Good choice. <laughs> when they have stuff in stock. That's right. <laughs> what about a ladder stand or a hang-on stand? Hang on. September or December? Hmm. Probably December. All right. You like fixing your truck or fixing your bowl better? <laughs> fixing my bowl, probably. <laughs> and what about filming solo or doubling up with a cameraman? Solo. All right. Well, cool, man. I learned a lot. I think Nathan and I both have. It's yeah. been fun. It's been yeah. fun having you on here. Thanks. Absolutely. We appreciate it.